I've taken four contractors to court and won for slow pay. And I'm not afraid to. I'll burn them. That's my money for my labor. Hey, welcome to All Things Wood Floor, home of the Wood Floor Brilliant, brought to you by Wood Floor Business. This episode, writer, blogger, and floor pro, Angelo DeSanto from Dandy West Floors. We're going to talk about the wood flooring industry as a trade, as a craft, as a business, and, yep, even as a marriage. We're going to talk about how to get paid every time, and you're going to hear a frightening little story about how Angelo nearly lost his own life. All that and more on this episode of All Things Wood Floor. I'm your host, Steve Diggins. Welcome, Angelo DeSanto, Dandy West Flooring. We got this, people. Now say it. Let's get to it. All right, Angelo DeSanto, welcome to All Things Wood Floor. How are you? Hey, um, I got this right. It's it's Dandy West, and you're out of Rancho Cucamonga, California? That's right. Are you from there? Are you from that area? Originally? Yeah. Uh, no, I was from the Midwest. How'd you wind up getting from the middle over to the left? My mom was married to a executive who worked at Ford Motor Company in Dearborn, Michigan. He got transferred out here, and I came out to see her after I graduated high school. And the airplanes were on the tarmac, and you walked on the tarmac to get inside, not like today. And they had a pickup truck with a ladder on it that come up to the airplane. And as I stepped across and put my first foot onto the ramp of the airplane, I knew it. I can't explain it, but I, I was there in a two-week vacation, and um, two days later, I was back in Michigan packing. How old were you? 18. I'm from the frozen wastelands of New Hampshire, what we call the Shire, and I graduated from high school, went straight to Florida, stayed there quite a while. I loved it. I still have gone back several times. I love to visit. So how long have you been on on the West Coast? Ever since 1978. How long have you been in the flooring business? 1994, I got my license, but I was working for people prior to that. I'd say 93. And, and how did you get, how'd you wind up in flooring? I got fired for going to college. I'll never forget the day. The owners were walking to me and they were really upset that I didn't listen to them and drop the stupid education idea. And as I came up to them, I go, I quit because I knew what, what was happening. They were going to fire me. Right. And uh, I got my exit package. And I left, and I had to, I wanted to keep on, to make this really short and precise, I got into flooring with the intent of just finishing my college. I didn't mean to be in flooring. That's a common story, you know, that's what I did. I got hurt in college, and next thing you know, I was doing flooring, and it it helped me stay in and out of that. How do you physically go, hey, I'll go, what was it, install, sand and finish? What was your first thing you did? My dad worked at, uh, he started the company. He's the Dan and, uh, he's the D and Dandy. I gotcha. And Dan and my dad started it, but my dad took off and ran with it. So I was unemployed and I went to learn from him. And after a year and a half, I came back and I, I had bought my first three machines and I, I hooked up with a company in Cerritos. And that's when I really got challenged. Because the owner of that company would give me things I've never done before, and he would say, handle it. And he would coach me, but I learned a lot. 
and I was just trying to survive. And I was deep diving. And then uh, within a year and a half or so, being back, I resumed my college studies and finished eventually. Did they do everything? Sand finish, install the whole deal? Because some parts of the country, they, they do one or the other. I do it all. Do you remember the first day somebody stuck you with an edger? Yep. Don't we all go? Give me that. It was old finish. It was gumming up the sandpaper. And my brother was saying, stop changing the sandpaper so much. And I questioned that. And he said, if you just don't change it, the friction will melt the finish and then sling it off. It was a technique that I wasn't good at at first. But eventually I became understanding what was happening. And I was trying to hunker down and make this work. And someone said that it takes two years to learn how to work the edger properly. Yeah, and it changes every single day, too. Right. So, so I gave it the time it wanted. You could learn that stupid thing your whole life, and companies will stick the new guy on it. And you think, don't put him in my house if you're going to stick the new kid with the edger. And I wasn't very good. I remember I didn't go to edger school. No one taught me that was proficient. Nope. I just tried to make the floor look like there was no finish on it anymore. I was a terrible technician, but I had no idea of what good is good. I mean, what is good? I had nothing. And then when uh, I saw other people's work, I got to understand that there's a lot to this. And you get sucked into it for the rest of your life, right? Yeah. And only recently I saw Daniel Boone advertise his edger only school. Yep. After all these years, I go, are you kidding me? There's a school I want to go. And I have yet to go. He's been on our coast going up and down for a while. And that's a great idea. You can't teach sanding in a day. Yeah, just go learn the edger. They should have a master's degree in just the edger. Or, you know, what? and there are, by the way, there isn't an edger. How many are there? I had a kid come in the other day. He has one. It was it was a, a Super 7R. The serial number was 125. The other one I had next to it was serial number 89,000 something. And they're the same machine. Then you got how many different brands, how many different sizes, how many different versions, and then the decades where we finally got dust containment. So you're, you're right. That is a good idea to get that type of education. As you plotted along, you got better and better, and then did you start training people for yourself to bring on? I remember it well, yes, because I was wanting to grow, and I would show people that I hired how to do it. And not everyone rose to the challenge, you might say. So I burned through so many people, just pages and pages that uh, used to work for me that are uh, on my, I save the payroll records. And uh, I don't have all of them, but my contact list is really long with people that I burned out. You know, I like the work, but some people don't feel that way. No, there's something to it, right? It's almost hypnotic. I, I it's long and tedious. I could go turn on an edger and not stop until the paper's dead. I can sand all day and forget to take lunch. It's odd. There's something about <laughs> attacking the floor, right? And you know it's got to get done, and you go, and you go. I swear if they put a floor in front of me that was 30 acres, I would keep going. I don't know what, but you talk to guys like you and I, we get sucked into this, and you're in forever. You know, it's an interesting thing that you say that because when you're just alone with your machine and you're zoning out, and I've learned to appreciate good headphones, like the ones I'm on now, the LG, and they can block out the noise to where I can hear a podcast, not a podcast, but a uh, the radio on the 
the cell phone and uh, it blocks out the noise. It's not noise canceling. It okay. just you stick them in your ear and it blocks anything coming in. And it makes it pleasurable because I can work and zone out, you might say. You know, it's funny. Remember when they had, uh, what was it called? The Walkman, right? With the little headset? Yep. Um, and then they made one with tapes. Well, I would record my classes at night and then play them back in my headset all day so that by the time I went back at night, I could take the test. I knew the material and I would stay on the floor. That's how I got through school and flooring. Next thing you know, I'm making money. I'm getting hired. I'm finishing school. But flooring paid more than the jobs I was getting offered. And that's you get sucked in. And I liked it. You think it's freedom? Angela, you think that's just because I, I found there was a ton of freedom with it? I think it is. I don't worry about things other people worry about. Being self-employed, I don't get argumentative with a client. But sometimes you have to be firm and say, you can't do that. You can't stand away pet state. And in a different universe... If I was an employee, maybe the client would have complained about me. So I don't have to worry about things other people worry about. Not everyone actually hangs around while we're working. What occurred to me when, when they asked me at the magazine to speak with you was, like, as a, as a writer slash foreign contractor, which, like I am, and you and I are, well, I'm thinking, what, is, what do you want to bring to the table? And... I started going through the, everything you wrote, and we'll go over that a little bit later, but you did a, a section called, um, I think it was, a, was it a flooring marriage? Was that what it was called? Yep. In Wood Floor Business, and, and people can check it out online. I had a question for you, and I got it, but I want you to explain it because people are going to go back and read it. What is uh, being married to flooring? Where did that come from? Tell me about that. I know just how to answer this. Good. I liken it to relationships. Say, for instance, that a guy and a girl get married, and as their marriage evolves over the years, they tend to get really close, where there might have been some friction or something at one point. Now it's gone, and they're they're firing on all eight cylinders. And some of the guys in the groups have their wives involved, and they're so powerful. They have this marriage with their mate. And from the analogy I likened it to was when I first started I didn't want to be a wood floor guy. I wanted to simply finish my college degree. And then my son came along kind of just not too far after I got uh, my degree. And it became like I, 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 like, I need money. I need to support. And some of the guys or the guys and gals I was in college with, I was outpacing them by large strides being involved. So I stuck with it. And then during the stick whipping part, that's even a term, I started to get glimmers of higher orders of craftsmanship. At first, it was just money. Give me money. And then when you get challenged to do nicer work, the whole concept was entirely new to me. I was really naive. And after I did my first or a few white stains and parquet refinishes, you start to feel like a rock star. And then you start feeding on the way people would remark, hey, that job looks great. And that is really nice. And then after many years go by, you become like me and my Kate. I'm entirely happy with it. Um, I'm getting everything I need. I gave up on trying to have aspirations of having multiple exotic supercars, a yacht, a 32-bedroom house on a 50-acre manor. I gave up on that because I figure I don't want that anymore. I'm pretty like settled just where I'm at. 
I get a question. If you're looking at Floor Business Magazine, do you take your own photos? There were photos for that that cracked me up. What is it? It's you at a <laughs> dinner table, and it says married to flooring or whatever. It's you with a candle, and I think you're holding an edge cord. Is, is that what that was? Yeah, like I'm holding the hand of my date. Yeah, it's like a date. I loved it. Did you take that, or did they send somebody to your house for that? That was my brother-in-law. He's been in some of the other pictures on the cover photos for other publicate uh, other articles I've written. Yeah. And him and his wife were tag teaming. Stop. I got this shot. Give me the give me the phone. It was kind of funny because I probably have fifty pictures. Yep. Only one got sent to you know to the magazine, but they had like fifty of them of different variations. But when I saw that one after it was all done, it's it was I think the last photo too. So when you, when you did all this and, and I, you set it all up, you, you covered a lot of really cool, uh, good points in that article. One of it was you started explaining flooring as a craft and, and through repetition and skill. Tell me your opinion of, of how flooring is a craft. And I agree with you. I don't think I'm the right person because I suck at it. When, when people in our groups like, uh, is it okay to name names? Sure. Okay. Some of the people I'm friends with on Facebook, I feel like I should pay them I know, to right? be allowed they're, to be their good. friends. They're good guys out there. They outclass me by, I'm embarrassed to call myself a floor guy. Give me one name, just one. You got to start with Fino. There are. There's a lot of guys in a lot of groups, and now they share. And there's I've talked to Liz Emlock and Jess Peterson. There's women out there. There's guys out there. There's parts of... Uh, there's people in every part of the industry. And you said, listen, you said the right thing. I've done a lot of flooring. You've done a lot of flooring. My, my favorite customer, guy's been doing this his whole life. He will swear to me he's never done a good floor. And I've said, i not me either. I walk out going, I wish there was, I wish it could be perfect. And it can't be. Check this out. It was either 2006 or 2009. I don't want to bore you right now, but in one of those two days, I took a class, an NWFA class, and one of the teachers, I can't remember his name, he was really good. And I said, I, I wish I were you. And he goes, why? He goes, because I would do everything right. And he goes, I've never done a good floor in my life. See, what are you talking about? It's the right answer. You evolve and you evolve and you evolve. And you're right. And you're better than you think, and all these guys that think like that are better than they think. The ones I see that are having difficulty, that aren't getting paid, and they're getting sued, are people that think and tell me they do a perfect floor. You have the right answer. If you tell me you, you do it all, you got it down, and you're doing perfect flooring, you're full of it. Well, I appreciate that, because I'm not going to grow a big head, but all I can say is I put myself into the work, and people give me money. And I get five-star reviews. And I think that's all. I mean, some of the things I've done surprised me. Mm -hmm. And it's only because the client pushed me. And I, but it, it, how can I say this better? If I had the clientele that would say, do this and do that, and it was outside of my usual work, I can add that to my quiver of talent. I seriously mean it when I say I should pay some of my Facebook friends to be their friend because I learned so much from them. Oh, yeah. I hold them high. You know, it's humbling when you start to spread out like this, and I'm in a little area in New England, blah, 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 and then I start meeting people from around. It's very humbling. It's what you do on the West Coast is different than we do. You go down south, it's different. I go an hour from where I am, and all of it makes sense, and all of it is good, and all of it, you say quiver, I always say my portfolio or my resume, my flooring resume. There's 
parts of it and you you can only it's like a video game you go back to a little bit you get a little stronger you go back to the other part you get a little experience you had mentioned in your article it had a lot to do with repetition and you broke it down into specific skills edging scraping vacuuming and um you know i I, it was i I remember that yeah i heard a tony robbins session once and i taught this to my kids he said you know repetition is the mother of skill and it's right you can't just be good at something it's repetition 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 until something becomes rote the the greatest basketball players in the world after practice still shoot 100 free throws so in a clutch moment it's clutch you don't think the body moves balls in the net you know and people that focus too much on it watch NBA players that stand there and they go, he shoots 70% from the line. He's getting three million bucks to shoot 70%. Can't you get them all? So when you're talking about flooring, you mentioned in that article, you said edging, scraping, and vacuuming are part of the craft and they need to be skills. I like this one though. When you said cleaning uh, in the middle of the process is just as important well, as edging. That's a skill. Yeah, absolutely. Explain that. If I told Layman vacuum the floor, they wouldn't get it perfect for the coat of finish to go on it. You have to teach, push through. This isn't your living room. This is someone's house. The little things we do, it starts from the beginnings. And once you can get vacuuming down and scraping corners down, then you can be trusted to move on to something like the edging Mm -hmm. and then a stain job. And you grow and you add these little tiny little insignificant parts of your process to your skill set. And after a while, You've got a lot of arrows in your quiver. And I just had a thought when you were talking. It's probably good. I can probably segue a little bit if you allow me. Yeah, that's the whole deal. I'm throwing you softballs. Chat my head off. Okay. Like I said, I'm not a role model. I like what I do and I'm, you know, and I enjoy it. But when I hold other contractors high, I'm also really critical of the guys in our craft who don't give a darn. And it bothers me. I'll take up arms and and get like, you know, you shouldn't be offering that to homeowners as a way to make a living with that kind of output. There's people that I've known, I mean, I've learned about whose skill is putting fires out when they get a client calling them with a complaint. And that's not what I want to do. And when I teach my crew, my guys, that's not what I want to come back to me. No callbacks, no misunderstandings. I guess integrity is a huge part. And it seems that my big role models teach me how to be better at integrity just by the things they do. I learn every day from them. That makes sense. Hey, Wood Floor Pros. This is Kim Walgren, the longtime editor of Wood Floor Business. Make sure you don't miss any of the articles or blog posts from our most popular authors, including today's guest, Angelo DeSanto, and our host, Stephen Diggins. Sign up for your own free subscription to Woodfloor Business Magazine at woodfloorbusiness.com. And make sure you also check the box to receive the WFBE news in your inbox every Monday and Wednesday. Now let's get back to our conversation with Angelo. Let me ask you a question, Floor Pro to Floor Pro. It's simple, but you brought it up. You just said, even if you're vacuuming, let's say you're vacuuming and tacking and you're cleaning. For the first time, right? You're with a guy and then you say, all right, get this room vacuumed and tacked and we're going to coat. How do you, before you proceed, know whether that person did it right or not? Really, just I watch him. Within 15 seconds, I know. Yeah, and what's the next thing you do immediately? I tell him to go sit outside. 
you, you know, I know what you do. It's very simple. I look at the, the guy and I go, I watched you. Sometimes they don't know that the, the tube came out of the vacuum or they get their headset on. It's not even plugged and they move in and they move in. And, and listen, sometimes they get it right. The first thing I do is I want you to do this. Everybody run your hand across the floor. Feel that? Yeah. It's not ready. Like how many times I've seen people back at a room, get the poly, not even put their hand on the floor. Like you were saying with the vacuuming, I have to show people how I do it. And you don't go like making a V and miss the area in the middle. You have to go straight up, straight down, move over, straight up, go with the grain because actually going with the grain, actually to me, you dig it out of the soft parts and it's a, anyway, anyway. Mm -hmm. and, and then when you push forward, drop the handle so the leading edge of the attachment comes off the ground to let dirt go under. Correct. Tiny stuff like this. It's aggravating when people just like they're doing a magic wand over the floor. When we went over part of what you had written on some of the stuff and I look over comparing you to a lot of other people and everybody in our industry, there must be something, um, and you mentioned it, that you find in inspiring and there's a certain admiration. I get that. Listen, you probably don't know this. I've read your stuff. I look at your slotting on the magazine, and they're very fair. If you write something good, you get you kind of get there in, on the page at the bottom. And if we're all there, we all write a little something. And I always see your name, and I go, well, if I don't write something, that whole bottom's going to say Angelo, Angelo, Angelo. I actually admire what you do. I'm inspired by what you do. And it's not just the writing. You're a floor pro. You're right. I see these people all the time. Do you? get inspiration and admiration for the other floor pros that you see online and social media and wherever you run into them? Yeah, there's that old saying, as iron sharpens iron, men can sharpen each other. I forget the exact way that the words play out, but I'll watch some of the articles, what other guys have done, and I'll zoom the pictures up. I've even downloaded some of the pictures and then zoomed them up even bigger on the PC, looking at the details, reverse engineering it, coming to the conclusion that I can do that. And I did a floor last year where I had to make a half circle and I cut the, the wood up into thin strips and made it into a round feature with, like an arc. Sure. with a border. And it was all because of them and it worked. That's where the challenge comes from, right? You get rolling and then somebody says, I had somebody the other day ask me, how do I do an arc? I go, well, I haven't done one of those in a while. There's several ways. You know what? I thought of a couple of guys I knew online. Um, I said, why should I regurgitate something I haven't done in ages. I caught up with them. They sent me some videos. I looked at it. I was able to go to the customer and say, okay, here's three or four things that you should be able to do. It fit their skill set because you and I speak that floor pro language and boop, you're off and running. It's like if you're fixing something automotive and you can look on and you have those skills, you look on YouTube, you look somewhere online, you go, I got it. Now I can see it. You just said it. You kind of reverse engineer it. I think that social media and the fact that people are sharing their stuff out there it has been amazing to accelerate what we're learning and how much um, we get that repetition to earn that skill. Is this, this you think has been for you in your career? It sounds like it's been challenging the whole step of the way. Would that be right? Yes. It intimidates me to be honest with you, because I actually had to work at it. And it seems like some of the craftsmen that I would consider higher than me or role models or whatever, it just seems like they fall down and, and it comes out perfect. That's not true. Of course, you ask them, but I had to work at it hard. You know, I don't give up. I don't know if this is part, if this is helpful, but part of my character is tenacity and it's a curse. 
because I can't let go. Yep. I'll cut the same quarter like a miter corner over and over again until I get it right. Because I don't want to, you know, there's many reasons behind that, but part of it is I know I can beat this. And that's why you don't think that everything you do is that great and everybody else is better. They're going through the same thing you are, and your floors will always look better. You you respond to the client better. You know, if anything, as crucial as it is to you and as brutal as you are on yourself, the person that you leave behind that handed you the check is thrilled. And and you might not be completely, but their neighbors will be. They will be. It probably looks better than every other floor on the block. You or I would never be happy. And that's my saving grace because they would kick me out if they were, if all my clients were wood floor pros, they would laugh at me and, you know, say, get the heck out of here. There was a restaurant in the area, and it had fine millwork on the inside. And I would go there and just examine all the millwork, thinking, this is so fine. It's wonderful. I appreciate it. And because they can do it, I know I can do it. But I know what good is, and I aspire. I welcome the challenge. Like So if I'm on an application of my own, I'll go, that corner is not good enough, and I'll try it again. Sometimes I just have to say, that's really close. Because now it's like 1030 at night. <laughs> That's a true story, by the way. Don't you think it's it's empowering when you own the business? It may be a floor company. It may be bigger or smaller, but it's very empowering. You get a lot of freedom from it, and you own your business. How long have you owned your particular business, Dandy West? Since 1994. Okay. I've been on my own, by the way. I don't work for builders. I don't work for other people. Uh, stores or big box. I am on my own. Right. And that's the path I chose. When there's no one else in the room but me, I have to take all the blame. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> or all the money, you know. So where do you find the time to write? I don't know if I can say this on air, but I'll go for it. I'll let you edit it out. Okay. I like to go to microbreweries in my area and I don't drink. I'm not an alcoholic. I have one. Right. But I like not being home. I like being in that environment yep. and i'll i'll log into their wi-fi i put my headphones on with the uh pandora listening to some music i like and i can type faster and better than i can talk and that's when you do that that's one thing that really helps me is that i can type like really really good all i can do is i'll, I'll think of my thought and it comes out and so when I'm at the microbrewery, just pages just fall out of the keyboard onto the screen. And sometimes I submit something and I'll always ask, why do you like it? That wasn't even that good. <laughs> I was just spitballing. It was just coming out faster than I could really think about what it was. You know, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I get lost in it. And in the same way, when I'm working on the floors, you get lost in it. Um, maybe that's a part of being something I'm grateful for because I enjoy it. When you go back to all of this, and we talked about flooring and writing and all this and, and your business and it all, when you, you talked about it being a marriage, okay, there are, there are keys to marriage that make marriage work. Are there keys to a flooring marriage that make that work? I think it, it's a, it, it sustains me, not just in uh, making my house payment, but when I get a satisfied client, that's a big thing. That's, that's a nice thing. I, I think I live off the praises, and I don't want to attract them for their sake. I'm really just trying to complete the contract, and that's the first order of business. If they're happy with me, that's a bonus. I'm 
not hard to be around, I don't think, but my top priority is the contract. So I get back things about this in a marriage sense that are uplifting, and I'm grateful for them. They put my day in order. There's lots of transitional skills. Like you can see that key rack in the back. You get a rack full of keys there, yep. That's a piece of plank from one of my manufacturers left over on a job, Mm -hmm. and uh, I needed it. I needed something to sort my keys out. So along the way, I figured out how to cut a piece of board to make it a certain shape, and that's giving back to me. You know, I can... Uh, I'm not afraid to work on my own house or afraid to tear into something I've never done before because when it's, when you look at it in its most elemental form, it's all just the same things I do at someone else's house. You think that the flooring marriage is working out for you? It is. It, and it, it isn't the only thing that can work. It's so rich. I don't have any desire to wander off. You know, I mean, one of the pages on Facebook is an installation page and some of the people do tile or carpet. <laughs> I can appreciate it because some of the things that they do are of such high order. They have nothing connected to a regular tile or carpet application that I've seen with my own eyes. Right. They're doing things that are unbelievable artwork. I don't desire to do that for, 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 for myself. I'm staying with the wood flooring. Sure. I can appreciate them, but I'm not going to wander you mentioned once in an article you wrote that when you're working with GCs, general contractors, you got a short leash. Explain your short leash to me. I don't trust them. They will hang you out. You'll finish a contract and they won't pay you until a certain amount of time goes by. And then they want extra work to hold over your head, like the sword of Damocles saying, I'm not only not going to pay you for this extra work, but you're going to have to finish this extra work before I will pay you the contract. Angel, you and I are the only human beings that ever, and I said it earlier today, said the sort of Damocles thing. Where did you get that? I could tell you where I got that. Where did you get that from? The Three Stooges. That's where I got it. I swear to God, Angelo, I'm upstairs today and I go, it's like the sort of Damocles is hanging over your head. And my wife goes, what? I go, it's a Stooges reference. Absolutely. Oh, my God. With that uh, pie. The pie. The it was ceiling. a pie stuck to the ceiling, and he kept looking up. He's like, uh-oh, no, I got it. I actually, <laughs> I actually researched and found out what it really is, and it's scary as hell. Yes. Is it biblical? It was a form of torture with the, with the knife that goes left and right, and it goes down. I think it was a, a Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Until it cuts you in half. One tiny slice at a time. at a time. Yeah. You don't go into a job and go, listen, if I get paid in you know two months, I'll be okay. How do you approach when you set up and you're going, and where do you say to yourself, I'm done, I need to get paid for this? I write right in the contract mm-hmm. upon completion. I'll fill out the, the contractor before I actually sign, and I'll walk away. I say, dude, I, I can't do this. I need money when it's done. Not too often, but it has happened. I'll say, if you can't afford to pay for this and need financing, I'm not sure you're going to be able to pay me at all. You're supposed to be able to have uh, a builder pops a loan before he begins. He's got the money from the bank, or or he's got the line of credit for the bank already established. There is no waiting around for it. The waiting around for it is their decision. I'm a better contractor than they are, and I have to hold them. Uh, I've taken four contractors to court and one for slow pay. And I'm not afraid to. I'll burn them. That's my money for my labor, my laborers, my my helpers, my suppliers. 
there's there's two things that a man doesn't do, and I use this. You don't talk bad about a man's wife or mess around with his money. Right. You you don't even joke about it. And when they pull that, I'll go right to the court and file papers and serve them. In your area, how does the law protect you if you do need to somehow reinforce getting paid? I did a job, and it took me nine months to get paid. Okay. And I learned how to get through it, and I taught a class in Las Vegas at services, and it became like a big thing. Mm -hmm. I had people from Europe calling me because the, the spirit of what I was saying, it doesn't matter where you are. People have the legal right to be paid. You can't just say, well, I, I had that today. Lady wasn't going to pay somebody like all the money owed because of a nick in the floor somewhere. I'm like, you can't hold up eighteen, twenty thousand dollars on a hundred dollars worth of something. Like they then I think you were saying that there there was a ten day law or there was some type of law that I see okay. Right? Remember that they, they, they had to honor your request to be paid. There was no argument. There's three laws altogether. Thank you. In California oh yeah these these two of those laws are state laws. The third one's a federal law. The spirit goes all across all 50 states. Yes. And from what I know, I'm not an attorney, but only two states don't have that. The first law is after the contractor gets paid from the client, they have 10 days to pay the subcontractors. Now, the contractor can simply say to the subcontractor after it's two months, well, I haven't gotten paid yet, which is probably a lie. But moving on, there's a second law that says all that doesn't matter if they simply have money in the bank. So that's the way, if they haven't gotten paid from their customer, that's your problem. Right. You're, a, you're a lousy contractor. I still got to get paid. The third law says after the 10th day, on the 11th day, serious penalties begin to accrue. And I've used all three of those in pursuing my money from completed contracts that were good work. I mean, like, uh, how would I say, there was nothing wrong. You know, it isn't like I abandoned the job. It isn't like I, I did a switcheroo on the material to make more profit. It was just a regular turnkey contract. And if everything is all checked, you know, green light, green light at the end of the road, I want to get a check. So in California, for everything that people can say different things about California on different topics, but one thing that I love it for is the contracting board here. They're hardcore. You don't mess around with them. Did they honor those other, did they pay you in court? Were you allotted the fees and the extras and the all the other? Yeah, not that I was trying to make a business out of it, but I got more than the contract due. Okay. I got penalties, fees, my time, my court costs, ends up being more money. Sure. I mean, they should have just paid me and gotten me out of their hair because now, now they have to pay me more. And one of them on the check that they wrote me was the handwriting from the controller, and he gave it to the guy in the company that was pushing me, and it has his handwriting thing, pay this now. Right. <laughs> and I saved it. <laughs> I had a question for you on, on kind of moving towards the end of this. Can you tell me a little bit, you, you had a near-death experience. You had a, was it a motorcycle accident or car accident? What was it? It was a motorcycle. What Can you want, tell me about that? Because I know that was, that was something. And that was, when was that? It was uh, November 17th, 2021. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember anything about it. I woke up in December. 
uh, and I was I was messed up. But I can remember some of the day prior, I finished the fireplace in my house. I did something, and I put a nice mantle in it. I took a picture of it, and I left the house. That's the last picture I took. But I remember it was a nice day. The sun was out. It was warm. It was pleasant. And I can I know what happened because I have the the uh, the there was a recording on a business and I have the the recordings from the police officers. So the three recordings all together, two police officers and then the business. I put together what happened. And that's how I learned what happened because I have no even now I have no memory of it. But I wasn't doing anything like some motorcycle guys will will go between the cars on the freeway. Mm-hmm which I do, or did, but they would do it in a stupid way. Like if traffic is going 30, they're going 75. Are you serious? I'm going like 35, very slow, because there's no reaction time. Uh, I'm a mature driver, and I learned those little secrets, you know? One guy on YouTube was doing a wheelie, going like 110 in between cars, and it's just not smart. Anyway, I was just minding my own business, and uh, some guy pulled out in front of me, and I I T-boned him. And I totaled his car going 40 miles an hour. The car spun around 90 degrees and my motorcycle never fell over. It was like speared into the car. It was a big bike. I just bought it like eight or nine days prior. And it was, uh, it had a lot of weight. <laughs> and uh, the police told the towing company to put my bike and the car together because they did not want to go look for him in two different parts of the lot. And from what I learned, they had the whole street locked from both direction of traffic for like 18 hours because they thought it was a fatality. So they were doing all the extra work that comes with the extra ramifications of an accident. And uh, the tow yard was ordered to keep these two vehicles together. The doctor at the hospital told my family, yeah, you can forget about it. We're just waiting for him to go, you know, go see him while you can, because he, you know, and then I survived the night. And then one minute after that, and I survived till the morning and it became like touch and go. And I remember about seven days later, I went to see one of the doctors and they wheeled me in in the emergency ambulance. It was the Uh, medical transport. That's it. And, and uh, I was in the waiting room and the doctor walks in and he goes, you're supposed to be dead. How did, <laughs> how did you survive? Right. I don't know. I mean, uh, because you did a good job. I don't know. <laughs> right. Did you but, rub your head for luck? That's crazy. Yeah. They said, they said it was a level one trauma, which I didn't know what that means. So I, you have to go through this stuff. When did you, when did you walk out of the hospital? Like what, what was physically, what, what happened? I went over the car and I was told that because I went over the car, that's what saved my life, because mm-hmm. if I wouldn't, I'd have continued to press into it. Yes. And I had major internal trauma, just a little more pressure, and I would have, stuff would have come apart inside of me. Sure. So it was the finest edge of finest edges that I went over the car, and that vented or expended some excess energy away from me uh, getting more damage internally. And uh, it's a funny thing. I landed on my feet. I was like a rag doll, but... My my left heel had this horrific bruise on it because I was like 15 feet in the air and I and I came down on my uh, on my you can see it on my left foot. Whoa! But I was in a I looked like I was standing, but I was just, I crumpled right to the ground like a limp noodle. Um, I was probably unconscious at that point. Okay. But uh, I remember when I first seen the video, uh, the person showing it to me said, "Don't look at it." 
don't look at it. You're going to get like a, uh, what do you call PTSD um, or something? Yeah, something like that. I Whoa. go, no, no, I want to see it. I wasn't there. <laughs> and I, I, and wasn't I, walked there. Right, I walked right up to it. I put my face in it going, wow, wow. Back it up, back it up, back it up. Do it again. You know, That's I was your life. That's the part of your life you didn't get to see. Yes. <sighs> it was like watching watching a zombie movie or something when, you know, I go, you know, it's all ketchup. You're like Superman. You know, yeah, it's, uh, and, and, uh, it doesn't bother me now. You know, it happens, but I have no real connection to being scared of it. I did sell my, do you remember coming around? Do you, do you remember when you finally woke yeah. up? Yeah. Yeah. You must I, be like, what the hell day is it? Yeah. I, I remember my mom was saying, Ange, Ange, you were in an accident. I go, what kind? I go, your motorcycle. I go, like hell I was. I'm a good driver. Right. Think again. What happened to me? Right. We got <laughs> you know, I video. couldn't accept it. That is- I couldn't accept it because it didn't make sense. You know, I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it. It's still, there's things in motion. I hope, hope I can say that properly. This mm-hmm. is far as I can go with it. So you, so how long, when, what was between then and you being physically able to do anything, walking, eating, running, sleeping, working, whatever, like what was, how long was that? I mean, you went back to flooring for God's sakes. How long did that take? Everything was a fog and learning how to dial my phone was a foggy experience. And then I went and I listened to some of my voicemails and this one client called like four times and I called her about two months later. I don't really know how long later it was, but it was a time, it was sure. a time. And, and I explained to them what happened and they're, uh, they were frustrated with me. They wanted to hire me is what it was. Okay. And I had seen them in June and the accident happened in November and I talked to them in, I think, January. They waited for me. So it was the first job I had. And I had a walker. And my brother came on board to help me. And my helper, uh, everyone was helping me, like, to move and to... But I sat down in a chair on the job. And I just sat there watching. And I would say, like, uh, I was delegating. Say, that corner, do that corner a little better. And that was my role. And I couldn't stand for that long. I couldn't even sit for that long, to be honest with you. But for some reason, the job ended and they were happy. And I'm so grateful to my guys. Um, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do the buffer. I couldn't do anything of anything but just sit there and delegate. Uh, by April, I, I was able to do a little more, like uh, work, a, work a saw, you know, to, to cut boards. Um, it just started out really, really slowly, slowly. Even now, it's hard for me to get down on the ground to, to, to get close to the ground. Like if I need to pick something up or to scrape a corner, uh, it's, um, I had a lot of hard parts broken. It, it's, uh, I'm still going through it. Yeah, it's, I don't even know how you got back into the game, but that it's it's remarkable. And I just remember reading a little bit about it, and the whole industry is shocked. You, you don't know if, if you're going to lose somebody, how long it's going to be. And then next thing I hear, you're you're still out there doing flooring, which is crazy. We should, we'll tell you why. Well, I asked you in the very beginning. I said, um, you know, as a writer and a flooring contractor, you know, what do you want to bring to the table? And is this some type of calling? And that's the part where we get to the end now where I ask you the same question. 
you could see it. There's a calling. You don't have a near death experience and go, you know, I'll I'll just get back into flooring. There's a calling here. You do it. You know it. You like it. and like me, you write. How do we do that? Because I have a calling to do both, and somehow this works for us. Take the flooring story, share it with other flooring contractors. Do you do you think that part of this? thing that you do is a calling that you just couldn't have stopped. You're a writer, you're a floor well, pro, that's it. Wait, let me, let me, I don't think it's a calling, Okay, but remember, the, I don't know if you remember, but the movie, An Officer and a Gentleman. Absolutely. At the very end, when I forget the guy's name, uh, Richard Gere, whatever his name is, huh? Richard Gere. Y- yes. He fights the sergeant, and the sergeant's beating the shit out of him. And at the very end, I think it's a sergeant, but you know what I'm saying, his drill sergeant or whatever. But at the very end of it, he's just beating the tar out of Richard Gere, and the sergeant goes, why are you getting up? Mm -hmm. What? What are you trying to prove? And he goes, I ain't got nothing else. Lou Gossett so, Jr. beats the snot out of him. You're right. Right. So so at the end, putting it back into my story, when I got home, my, my flipping dogs didn't know me. I had to reacquaint myself with those, but I had to reacquaint myself with, with my calendar and my life and my I, you know, I had four house payments and I had four cell phone payments and I had four electric payments and all the, everything in fours. And, uh, I had to fix this. I wrote about this, actually. One of my suppliers, can I mention their name? Sure, okay. From the Texan company. I called up the credit lady, uh, and I said, do I owe you any money? And she goes, yeah, you do. And and I said, wow, okay, I'll pay it. And she goes, we knew you would. We heard what happened, and we because we know you, we, 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 we gave you time like we didn't send all these collection letters and threats, you know. So I made a payment promise right there, and like two weeks later, I or something, I made good on it. But um, I was frantic just to plug in and get things figured out. So I don't know if it was a calling, but I had to um, I had to come up. And luckily, the phones rang, and some of the people said, "Can you do it for less?" Nope. No, not a chance. Not a chance. I got an accident you to know? pay for. I got to get a new bike. Well, not only that, I'm sticking to the. In California, you have to do things properly. I remember once this this enforcement agent for the contracting board told me he goes, Angelo. I was on good terms with the contracting board, so they were friends. I don't fear them at all. But he goes, Angelo. Nowhere in any contracting law anywhere does it say that the client has to be satisfied. You just have to complete the contract. If you say you're going to you're gonna cut a piece of molding and nail it to the wall, that's as far as it goes. Caveat emptor. It just has to, has to be consistent with industry standards. So when someone would say, can you lower the price? I said, no, but I can take a bedroom out to lower the price. Sure. Instead of doing two bedrooms, do one. I'm making it up, but you see where I'm going with this? Oh, absolutely. Because the industry standards are very clear. I can't just, you know, I told even one client, I, I go, I was actually shaming them because they deserved it. But I said, you know what? I, I need to 
to answer your question, I need to ask my guys if they're willing to get paid less for something we do all the time just because you want it. Sure. I need to call you back. Give me a few minutes. I'm going to call them and see if they're okay with it. They weren't. So with a clear conscience, I reported back to the client saying they didn't go for it. The price stayed the same. And I got the job anyway. That's something. Did, did you get another bike? I should ask because people are going to ask. No, but I had two. <laughs> and I and the one that I got into an accident, I just bought eight or nine days before the accident. But I had bought one previous. It was a brand new bike. It was a darling. I had, it was like a special thing. Wow. Uh, the bike. And uh, I sold it about well, October 29th, I think. I finally sold it. And I wouldn't have sold it, but I realized I really can't ride. Right. You have to keep your head on a swivel. Mm-hmm. And something told me that maybe I'll ride again, right. but I don't think that my ability to be that aware mm-hmm. uh, is is online yet. I don't even think I can handle a collision of that intensity now. No. So I, I got. I just want one more question before we hit the rapid fire questions, just because it it kind of occurred to me. So. With all that you have going on and all that you're going through, what a, for you, what does a perfect day off look like? <laughs> and do you get them I off? I can answer it? that. Okay, what do you got? A perfect day off? Yeah, perfect day off. The phones aren't ringing. Got it. And there's lots of little things. When someone starts something, like cleaning the closet, and they get pulled away for it, from it, it's not done yet. You know, To me, it haunts me. So... A perfect day would be like me revisiting all those things that I started and never finished and finish them. It isn't going to the beach. It's not going on a day trip. That's after I finish those little things. <laughs> well, don't you think it, it kind of takes a load off? Like you can, I, I get some things done. I might come home and repair a motor or a Hummel or a sander or something for somebody. And I feel like just a little sense of accomplishment. I, I will relax more. I can go with my wife and go Christmas shopping or whatever it might be. When I finish this podcast, I'll be elated. Well, I'll go help her do what, what would you like me to do? Run the vacuum. Let's go grocery shopping. You're right. Sometimes it's not it, people will go, well, don't you want to go golfing? I love golf. After about the 17th hole, I, I start to feel like I'm should be somewhere else. For me, that's a, a lot of, it's lovely, but I start to feel guilty. <laughs> like There's something else that could be done. He said, laying at the beach is not for me. Trust me. Yeah, there's so much to do. I just like putting things to rest, finishing tasks. All right. I'm going to run through the rapid fire questions, and this is the bonus round. So what we'll attempt to do is I'm going to give you these, answer them as briefly and as quickly as possible. We'll, you and I will try not to elaborate on this, but we're writers, speakers, so good luck to both of us. I'm going to run through these, and I'm going to let you... Go off and and do some of that closet cleaning that you like to do. Are you ready for your first question, Angelo? Let's go. All right. What would you be doing if you weren't in flooring? I would probably be doing something related to the degree that I earned. Okay. What's your... Do you have a favorite floor pro that you know? Another person? Yeah, but um, it it isn't one, I have to tell you. Give me one. Got to give me one. There's so many. Uh, I said Fino. 
once. So I'll just let it rest with that. He's the top tip of my tongue. I just want you to make people feel guilty so they can ask to be on this podcast. All right. Um, <laughs> if you got a five minute break during your day, what would you be doing? Checking back on my phone messages. I hear you. Is there a funniest floor pro that you know? The funniest? Yeah. Somebody funny. Uh, my brother-in-law, James. Shout out to James. Uh, he cracks me up. What's your favorite thing to do when you are not working? Is there something different? Is there something you're like, yeah, I might like to go do that. What do you got besides cleaning your closet? Uh, spending time with people in a, in a, in a, in, a, in an environment, uh, well, there's lots of people, uh, Christmas shopping at the mall. Mm-hmm. I love it. Oh. I, it's a, it's, you know, let me, let me get in there. I love it. If you got a flooring wand, you could wave. What would be the next flooring project that you would like to do? To do a job where I had to install using really nice borders. In fact, I can actually go off on this. I thought of a better answer. Can I get it now? Go. I wish a client would call me and say that they want a medallion, a special made medallion, not like an off the shelf, but something like with their last name or something. Uh, and we've kind of skirted around about if, if it's the end of the day and you don't have the other stuff and things and shopping that, how, how do you relax? How do you, how do you relax? End of the day work is over. You serious? I can answer this, but you're not going to like it. Go quick. What is it? There's a YouTube channel where it's math oriented and the guy's a teacher and he'll explain how to do complex mathematical equations. And I, I, I love it. Awesome. All right. If, um, if they if the, they made a lifetime movie about your life, who would play you? Who's the actor? Oh God! Is it Richard Gere? No, it was probably. I was thinking of Antonio Banderas. Just oh, popped in my it. head. You look just like him. You handsome devil. You. <laughs> Last question: Kim likes me to ask everybody for Wood Floor Business Magazine is: Do you have carpeting in your home? In the front closet by the front door, because I haven't paid attention to that closet. Everything else is hard surface. I liked you when this started. You're such a nice guy. Remember back then? And now you got carpet in your house. Listen, Angelo DeSanto, Dandy West, Rancho Cucamonga. I love to say that. It's been awesome having you, man. If you don't know why you're here, I know why you're here. We're cut from the same cloth. How we became writer, floor pro, whatever dudes we are. And you know what? Our mission is, is to take all this information Go talk to these great people that we work with. Bring it back to this industry and appreciate it and share it wherever we can. We're just starting this whole mission thing. We're just getting started speaking with other people and writing. And you and I will be able to bounce ideas and articles and blogs off each other. That's what we do. This industry has come so far and so long and it's gotten bigger and better. And everybody will always want and appreciate wood in their home, no matter what else comes along. And that's what you and I do. And I I really appreciate you fellow floor pro for being with me here today well thank you very much i feel kind of honored to be on the podcast as well listen you're a good dude and i appreciate it i love the stuff that you write i read it all i get really jealous when your picture shows up in front of mine but you know what maybe now i see you there i got a whole different understanding can i can i share with you a final thought you go right ahead if anything if anyone listens to me i would want to make them aware how unique this trade is. I don't mean to be picking on other trades like drywall, plumbing, electrical, roofing, (laughs) but there's something about this one that when I respond or pick up the phone, 
They go, no one can do these things. Can you do it? Can I refinish the floor? The point is, for someone that's in this, if you feel down, the other side of it is there's not much competition. You should be thankful that you're not an attorney because uh, one of my friends is an attorney and his his uh, office needed one more attorney and they had 400 applicants. Now, that's for an attorney. Uh, 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 fast food restaurant, they're going to be like pummeled with uh, quite a few people responding. But yet yeah, you ask a crowd of people who can sand my floor or who can fix my floor and like one or two people raise their hand. And so the clients have not too many choices. Some of the people in, in our industry race down to zero. I'll be cheaper. I'll be cheaper. Race to the bottom. You don't have to. You don't have to. This is a good living because not everyone can, not everyone wants to do it. And we win because of that. You're absolutely right, sir. Well, listen, Angelo, you're a good dude. Thank you for being with me. We will talk again soon. And if I don't talk to you between now and then, Merry Christmas, have a great holiday, have a great new year, and we will talk. Thank you very much. You too. The same to you and your family. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. Take care of yourself. To read Angelo's articles discussed in today's podcast, plus many more, go to woodfloorbusiness.com and type Angelo in the search box. And if you enjoyed all things Woodfloor, don't forget to rate and review this podcast and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for listening.